Adventures. It's Lizzie from the Westerverse, and I'm here to talk about uh, episode 25 of the Guardians of Fahal podcast. So, yeah, basically, uh, in this in this session, the party was having their fun night out of camping with uh, Rhiannon, sneaking her out of the school to avoid a certain uh, noble that she wants to avoid. Um, and yeah, they're taking her out camping and it's a very sweet gesture. They're kind of like the best friends you could ever want. Uh, and I think it's cute that they're extending it to an NPC in the game. I, I was hoping that there would be like NPCs that the players built relationships with that they would uh, actually treat like friends or like extended members of the party. Kind of like how in Critical Role there's... Um, Gilmore and Allura and Kima and just uh, a whole host of other uh, NPCs that they're close to. And I was hoping that in my game there would be a couple NPCs that like hit that mark. And it seems like I, I struck out with Rihanna and she definitely is now someone that they care about. Um, and that's good. That's good. I want the world to feel like the NPCs in it are real and that their uh, lives matter. So the one thing that was really fun about uh, this episode is seeing them kind of like split up. But overall, this was a very adorable episode. But behind the scenes, it was a rough night um, because we kind of had a little bit of a late start because of um, just life getting in the way and work. And then the worst part of the night was at the beginning, uh, Megan got a call from... Uh, a family member giving her like an update. Uh, so she was a little bit, you know, distracted for a bit. And then um, the worst part of the night, though, was Andrew kept getting called into work because of some issue. And it was really frustrating for him and for us because he would be like, he'd be like, hang on, I gotta go. And then he would be gone for like 30 to 40 minutes. So we kind of actually... I wonder how the episode would have flowed better if, you know, everyone had been able to be there and he hadn't get called away because there was a lot of stopping and starting because um, one of the hard things about D&D is like when you try to plan for moments that are central for one person's character or multiple people's characters in the party, you kind of need them there. Uh, it's very similar to some of the stuff with what is going on with Una uh, um, but yeah, when you have those character central moments, you kind of need the player to be there. And this was one of those events that I thought it was important for both Josh and Andrew to be at because there's kind of the secret that needed to come out. Well, it's really much an open secret, but, uh, so we kind of actually got to, to pad the episode with some other stuff while we were waiting and did some clever editing to make it work. Um, but basically, uh, one of my favorite scenes that happens early on in the session is Una going to sneak Rihanna out of the school and me forgetting that she can't see her in the dark until she's literally behind her. And she's like, oh my God, that'd be terrifying. Like the fact that Gloomstalkers can just be completely invisible in shadows is, is crazy. I just, 
It's an it's a crazy ranger class. I hope I get to play one someday. <laughs> Watching Una's abilities makes me jealous. I'm like, oh, I want to be a Gloomstalker ranger so bad. Uh, I don't need to be in any more D and D games though. Um, so that was cute. And we had a moment where Una, who practically exhausted herself making these gifts, which fun note I realized when I was editing this I completely forgot to have her make constitution saving throws for pushing through like exhaustion because she really should have started making them early in the evening after spending so much time working on those scrolls but I forgot because of real life stuff getting in the way and being more frustrated about not being able to record consistently but I, I got distracted and forgot because of real stuff getting in the way. Um, but it was really cute then when we got to cut back to everybody else. Um, oh, no, wait. About, about Una's gifts. So one thing that I find really sweet about the gift in general is, like, you know, Rhiannon is somebody who has more money than the party can possibly imagine. Like, you don't, you're not a duchess's child, or a duchess's, you're not a duke's child without having like loads of money like she's very wealthy but the party will still spend like hundreds of gold um on her like una spent like quite a bit of money making this hairpin for her um and the thing about it that i tried to play off a little bit is like rihanna is used to getting gifts but she's not used to getting gifts from um people who really you know, are giving her something without expecting anything, like, in return. Like, it's not, like, a bribery thing. It's more of, like, a, here, I genuinely wanted to give you this because I knew it would mean a lot. Um, And it's funny because in real life, I feel, and I'd have to ask her this to be sure, but I would be highly surprised. I feel like Megan's love language in real life is gifts. And um, it just seeing that kind of carry over into Una is really sweet. So it it was a really good moment. Um... It's a super funny gift, but it kind of is for a sad reason. Like, you know, Rhiannon can't seem to just shake this Lord Rice guy because, <clears throat> spoilers, he's a piece of shit. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and there's not much, like, they can do about it. Like, and there's not even much Rhiannon can do about it. Which, in real life, I have had almost all my female friends go through something similar to this. Not without it being... Um, write out uh, the levels it was with Rhiannon and Lord Rice that was hinted at in episode 18, but that I can't get rid of this person's attention. I really want them to leave me alone, but I have to keep seeing them. And then um, someone making you a gift who is like, here, this will help you avoid them. Like, I don't know. I just, I think that's a very sweet and moving gift. And I hope that carried over. Um, and then, of course, when they get to the campsite, uh, <laughs> Nora is basically a wedding planner or, like, an event. Not a wedding planner. I think of wedding planner because of all the flowers, but, like, really any event planner where it's just, like, everything has to be perfect. You know, we're going to have uh, daffodils over here, and then we need, like, the gift table over here, and then we need uh, the photo booth area over here, and we need this over here. And it was just, it was very cute. I loved it. Um and I really loved what Josh was doing with the twigs. I kind of think it's really cool that like both of him and Andrew are making shrines to their goddesses in these this little reclusive 
private area. Um, and I'm very, very excited to say, uh, well, I'm not going to say now, but like when they go back there, there might be something, um, at Hans and Franz's, um, shrine that he built. And I'm really excited about that. And I think he'll like it. Um, but yeah, um, I think overall, like the main central tension of this episode was, uh, obviously Rhiannon having this kind of open secret that she needed to just say to the boys who are part of the Bendaya. But before that, there was a delightful bout of silliness with <laughs> Una and Rowan switching places. I had no idea where they were going with that at first when she walked up to him. But honestly, that is one of my favorite moments. Like, it was just, it's so funny. And it's its so funny to me because normally uh, Rowan is kind of, you know, timid and he's not really like a mischief maker, but like Una brings out his mischievous side and is like, I'm going to rope you into schemes and we're going to have so much fun with it. And I feel like it started with like the gambling with uh, them betting on the horses, like who was going to get back first. And now it's like, oh, we're going to switch places and see if anyone notices, even though like the height difference doesn't work at all. And it's, it's really fun to have like people in your party that just feed off of each other's energy and kind of build like a, a surprise dynamic um, together. I don't know. I, after, after having like that session behind the scenes keep getting interrupted by work calls and people being kind of frustrated and in bad moods because of X, Y, and Z, like having having something as silly as like Una and Rowan trying to pretend to be one another when like their heights are just completely opposite and everything was it was a nice little touch to a very otherwise uh somewhat um softer and like emotionally in-depth episode. So I, I just loved it. It was a great bit of comedy. Um, so the other thing about uh, this episode, which I feel is kind of the meat of this discussion, is Rhiannon talking to Hans and Franz. And I think that in my head, I was like, are people going to think that she's being a little too over dramatic about, you know, telling them this and everything. And then there's probably other, the other camp who's like, she shouldn't be doing, being this open with them, like, anyway. Like, this is incredibly dangerous. And I think there's merit to both camps. Um, Rhiannon was inspired by, um, well, I obviously took the name from the Mabinogi in case anyone didn't know that. Um, which is a Welsh deity who is associated with horses, and she's got some cool myths. Um, but I, I kind of inspi- was inspired by a lot of women historically who ended up being put into leadership or fighting for a position of leadership in, like, monarchy. And I think that... Um, a lot of times, like, we focus in stories, uh, like, you know, oh, you know, she just needs to find the right prince, or, um, you know, they're still spoiled and pampered compared to everyone else, which is very, very true. But a lot of the the pain and the 
things that women had to do to kind of just live in very heavily male-dominated societies where your only real worth was in, like, could you bear kids? Um, You know, that's kind of emotionally taxing on you. And then also beyond that, like, when you're in a place where you don't have your family, but even your family or your your servants, like, they could rat you out. Like, and that's really kind of why I played it as where it was a big gesture of trust. Because um, for reasons that I think were a little bit obvious, like, Rhiannon is a little bit more used to females' companies. Like, you know, she's she has an easier time, like, trusting um, girls because she's used to being socialized where, you know, you have your female friends and companions and, you know, you, you can trust them. But, like, um, Hans and Franz are basically in her mind and how she was raised to be considered from a aggressive and enemy culture, uh, where you have wars, they are not to be trusted and, you know, opening up to them like that and saying, Hey, I am technically part of a society that does not, you know, like yours and, you know, I mean, technically, I, I said this to Josh and Andrew as a joke. I'm like, if Hans and friends were smart, they would literally take her as a political political hostage and, you know, use that as a ransom chip to get back into the Pentaya. Um, and that's why it was so difficult. Uh, and I think overall it led to some good role-playing moments um, with the group because obviously Nora and Una are like trying to make sure that this goes off peacefully and support their friends. Um, but also I think that I know Sam was a little nervous for Nora, like, Oh God, what are they going to say? Are they going to say the wrong thing? But it's very, it's very good episode. It led to some good moments. Um, but it also led to, I think, a really cool opportunity in the future that I was hoping when I designed this NPC would get taken advantage of, which is like both the twins or just, I guess, one of them more than the other one is very set on like learning about becoming a leader, like, and playing a bit of the political game. And that also means learning about, you know, the other culture and, like, the other people that live in the Iron Valley that is more dominant, um, because they haven't really educated themselves on that. So I think that, you know, making alliances and tentatively trying to learn about somebody who is your, like, opponent, but not necessarily, like, in a way to, like, you know, take them out from underneath, but just trying to create a sense of understanding is a smart move for a political leader because you really, um, I feel like a lot of times in stories, like there's this pressure where it's like things always have to go in battle and conflict because it's an us versus them. And really like at the end of the day, people are people and they're motivated by very selfish and sometimes non-selfish reasons for what they do. And I think that when you try to understand a little bit, maybe not condone in every case, but when you try to understand what's motivating this person's actions or this whole country's actions, you can get farther without having so much war and just an aggressive stance and it might lead to a better future. But we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes. Um... I also find it very interesting, um, Elaine came up. So Lady Elaine has not really made 
a full appearance in um, the game. She was there and said that they could win at the maze, but like, uh, and she was there at the weaving contest and basically said, like, no, we're going to put a wall of force up and prevent these weavers from going at it with each other. But she's actually one of my favorite NPCs I've created. And I don't want to say too much about her because the party doesn't know a lot. But her and Rhiannon have a bit of a complex relationship with one another where... um you probably can tell in the episode. Elaine is treating her more like a potential future ruler to negotiate with and trying to send her back with resources to improve many things in the Iron Valley. But one thing that's really important to notice is like, you know, Rhiannon doesn't have like a lot of offensive spells. And there's probably a reason for that. Like Elaine is kind of generous where she's treating this as like a potential future ally situation but also a potential rivalry because they are neighboring kingdoms and she just doesn't know what's going to happen and that is kind of a very interesting thing about Elaine's character is I would not say she's purely good or neutral I would say that or like good or evil I would say that she probably falls in the neutral spectrum but I really like that, you know, in a leader. Um, this isn't a fair comparison, but uh, in the Discworld books, there is uh, Lord Vetinari who rules over this really crazy, like, London analog city. And he's probably a terrible person in a lot of ways, but he's also a really effective leader because he's just very smart and very tactical. And he's really good at kind of getting his enemies, like, to all go along with him as ruler because it's more convenient to have him in power than somebody else. Um, and I wouldn't say Elaine is a one-to-one analog with him, but there's there's some similarities. Um, but hopefully there will be more that you guys as listeners and the party learn about her because she's definitely a very interesting character like in the background. So we'll see. But I'm not going to say whether she's like, you know, good or bad. She's kind of just doing her thing. And some of that is good and probably some of it is bad. But you know what? That's what it's like to rule. So I guess closing this out, um, (laughs) it's mostly because it's one of the parts of the episode that I find funniest. Um, The the little bit of flirtation that kind of uh, started. So like, Uh, behind the scenes like we talk about stuff out of game and um like I think that's important as a DM especially when it comes to um things where it could be a relationship or a dynamic that is built um with an NPC because a lot of times I don't have stuff mapped out for my NPCs a hundred percent but like uh I don't want to say it's like a dating Sims game where it's like, here's your four potential love interest options, and then if you take this action, then it'll get this action, because that's definitely not true. But I did know that, like, uh, Andrew had expressed interest out of game, saying, you know, maybe there could be something there, maybe based on their earlier interactions, or at least he would want to know more about her. So I kind of had that in my head. And then also in my head as somebody who um, knows a lot more about my NPCs and what they would be interested in or 
like uh, attracted to as a person, there's definitely a little bit of flirtation going on there. And I, I definitely did lean into that a little bit, which some of you were like, well, wait a minute, didn't Rhiannon say she couldn't get married? And, um, you know, because that wouldn't be smart. And it's like, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, you're, it would be very stupid for her to get married in her situation. And she's not also really in a position to be able to do that. Like, technically, because of the rules of the Iron Valley, um, you know, she couldn't get married to somebody without her father's, like, go-ahead. Um, and basically, there's a lot of, you know... There's still flirting going on a little bit. And it's like, but you said she couldn't get married. It's like, well, yeah, that's the smart thing to do. And she probably isn't. But then there's also, like, a guy who saved you from a nightmare. And, you know, he's kind of cute. And, like, he's kind of a little bit awkward around you. And there's maybe flirting. Like, maybe you lean back and it's fine. It's fine. I think what I'm saying here is, like, there's what your head knows you should do, and then there's what actually happens, and I think that is probably what is happening a little bit with Rhiannon, but it's still very early. Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see. I do think that at their core, like, and I think this fits into how I view people in general, most people just want to have connections with one another, and they want to feel loved, and they want to feel uh, validated in their friendships, and... Um, Obviously, from her past, like, Rhiannon doesn't have a lot of experiences with that. And it's kind of hard to when you're somebody in her position. And she's definitely getting those friendships from everybody now in the group. So we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Rowan will fall in love with her. And then that will be a romance. I don't know. I'm I'm here for romance no matter what, though. I, I like romance in D&D games, provided there is boundaries set up. And people are very open and talk about it. And there's a fine line of like, yep, you got to cut to black and stuff. But because uh, um, I'm here for it. I, I like romance in general. Like I, I'm, I'm not ashamed. I, I have, I, I enjoy a good romance anime or story, you know, or two or whatever. It's fun. I mean, there's another, there's another potential couple in the game. Uh, there's obviously a little bit of something going on between uh, Nora and Hans and Franz, but it's like baby stages, so we'll see, we'll see. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I don't know, I love it. I will be there with popcorn and smiles <laughs> for my players. And there's stuff with, with Una planned too, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, with those uh, warm and fuzzies, I think I'll leave it uh, today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions about this episode or you want to learn more, you can contact us across any of our social media pages. We are at The Westerverse on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also go to our website, thewesterverse.com, and write us a comment directly. Like, a, <laughs> write us a comment. Um, you can submit, like, a, on a contact us form to get in touch with us. Uh, otherwise... If you follow us on Patreon, I know these are completely public on Patreon, you could write a comment underneath the episode and uh, say your thoughts um, and let us know if you want to know more. Something maybe I didn't cover, I could cover in another episode. Um, also, 
I just want to give a little shout out. If you're already on Patreon, leaving a comment, you could subscribe to Guardians of Fahal for a dollar a month. I highly encourage it and we'd be so grateful. Like, we really appreciate it. We're trying to make this podcast take off. And um, thank you so much for listening. Next time, we're going to be talking about episode 26, which uh, covers the rest of the camping trip with Rhiannon and then also the final preparations before the fighting pits. Ooh, exciting. See you all later, adventurers. Have a good one.